0: Okay, we are in Sefer Yefeskel, Perik Yud Tes, Pasuk Aleph, for Sa Kenot El Nisir Yisrael. So we saw in Perik Yud Zion, two prokim ago, the Navi used a completely new prophetic device for conveying his prophecy, uh, and that was the Khidah, the riddle. In other words, you're commanded to give a riddle, which is very obscure, certainly inaccessible if you don't know the facts behind it, and it is followed by a mushal, a parable, which makes it clear. Today, the Navi is commanded to use a different kind of conveyance device to the people of Israel, and that's the kina. Keno translated would be a lamentation. It's done by a lamentation, a dirge, and followed by a mushal that clears it up, as it were. It's not too difficult to access the kino today, because basically we're going to be speaking about the grandeur that was once the house of David, Yehuda, and unfortunately the, the calamities that are about to occur to it. And we're going to use two mushrooms. One would be the mushroom that we use frequently, the lion or lioness. In this case, Judah as a lion, that was representational of the power of Yehuda. And two, the grapevine, which we've used before, B'nai Yisrael as a vine, um, flushed with the growing of grapes and, and rich produce, etc. And we're going to see, unfortunately, the fading of that grandeur. In addition, this is directed, this prophecy, to the last kings of Judea. And that's going to just, let's bring us up to speed in case we don't recall. After the disastrous uh, rulings of Menashe and his son Ammon, Amun gives birth to the king Yehoyosh Yehoyosh or Yoshiyahu was the last bright spot of the Davidic dynasty to this point he is a tzaddik beyond description we learn the story how in his refurbishing the Beis Hamikdash they come upon a lost long hidden Torah scroll that was opened into Tzavarim to the Tochacha the rebuke. They read it to him. He tears his clothes at how far they've fallen and institutes a tremendous, and there's no other word for it, a baltura program. He restores learning to every district in Israel. He removes the idols, often going house to house to remove the avoda Zora. There's a whole renaissance of Torah and rebirth and Sidkis, albeit, as we say, short-lived. Yoshio makes a tragic political military judgment in undertaking a war with Mitzrayim and Paro Necho, a totally unnecessary war, which he is killed. There are now four kings left until the destruction of the base Hamikdash and the end of the Judean, um, or the beginning, I should say, the Judean exile in Babylon. So, Yoshio, in this last group of four kings, three of them are Yoshio's sons. One is a grandson. To say they are total duds would be an understatement. They're worse than that. They are disasters, they are calamities, there's no question they accelerate the destruction. So, Yoshio, we said he rules for 31 years. He is succeeded by his son, Yehoiachaz, who is so bad that he rules for three months and then is killed. Then he is followed by Yehoiachim. Yehoiachim rules for 11 years and is total disaster. He is a brutal killer. He betrays his oath to Bavel. He betrays his oath to Mitzrayim. He accelerates it to the point where he is taken into captivity uh, and dies. He is succeeded, as we say he rules for 11 years, he is succeeded by Yehoiachim who is his son. He is not a son of Yoshiyahu. He is Yoshiyahu's grandson and a similar disaster. Rules for three months, is taken away in chains as we're going to see. Finally there's Sikiyahu, a son of Yoshiyahu. He rules for 11 years. He again the Netzar, as we've said countless times, at this period all he wants from them from Judea is quiet. He wants a vassal state that pays him taxes. He doesn't want destruction. He doesn't want war. And these guys just rebel against him as Sitkyo does. And of course we're going to see Sitkyo dies an ignominious death. So these are the targets of this prophecy. Your test, this kina. So we begin PoseqAlop. Ba'atar saw Kino El Nsiyah Yisrael. Take this lamentation to the princes of Israel. And the uh envies them that they are Yo Yo That's who he is directing this Keno. Um the Umrah. Ma Imhaliya Bain Arroyos, Ropssabasul Kafum, Ripssa Gureha, that think of your mother, the lioness. Again, the metaphor of a lioness, a fierce, proud animal that guards its young. This is a metaphor for Yehuda, and it could be a metaphor for the last kings, but it's more likely the glory days of David and Solomon. Uh, She was a lioness. Her children prospered. There was one of her lionesses succeeded, Yoshiyahu. And he learned to eat, both people as it were, and consume um, different nations that were in his midst. Uh, he consumed people. He got into wars with Ammon and Moab. Uh, everything was a battle. And finally, they subdue him and they throw nets over him and they take him in chains to Eretz Mitzrayim. So the Lord, she sees that her hope has been captured. She brings another kafir she Now it is Jehoiakim by He was no better. He consumed himself in terrible wars, but moreover than that, he was a totally bloodlusting, immoral man, uh, as Novi says, by Yeda he would kill his opponents and then seduce their widows. He was in Gilu Arroyos. He was in Avodazora. for Rehim he destroyed their cities. and Maloa and the land just rebelled under his um, roaring destruction of the entire uh, nation and the entire surrounding nations. And so he too, by Yidnu Besugar they take him in chains. He has promised Babylonia total allegiance, rebels against him, forming an alliance with Egypt. And now, oh, he does worse. He invades Egypt. I don't know what possesses him. He invades Egypt. Miraculously, Egypt is now distracted with a war with Bavel. So there's an initial success in his invasion of Egypt. But what happens is when Egypt can now devote its attention after this skirmish with Babel, they deal with him, they take so, him in chains, captures him, they bring him to Babel, where as we're going to see, he dies a totally ignominious death. So this is, this has already happened, when Yechestel is reciting this, or is this going to happen? Right, now this has hap- This has already happened. Right. He's just describing it in a... Wait, in wait, a, wait, 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 not so fast. No, Yecheskel is in that first Golas. Yeah. That's 17 years before this. Okay. It's It didn't happen yet. Imech, now, so that explains the lioness. This is the proud lion. This is her cubs. They are disasters the once lion of Judah that gave us David and Solomon and Yoshio is now giving us a series of just total catastrophes. Second metaphor. Incha kegefen, your mother was a grapevine, bitmacha al-mayim shesula, flowering with grapes, planted on water, ample water, anofah va'anafa mayim rabim, its fruits, its its produce, its roots came planted on Mayim Robin on, on water. By Yula Matos Ozel Shute Um it was uh, its rods. Its strong rods were over the kings. Was suspended over the kings. Its status grew higher. Um, El Shite Misholin, it ruled, it gave rise to its kingship, it grew scepters as it were. Everyone could see its stature. But Mosa, Albainov Sim, Bayer Big everyone could see how tall it was, the road. And just how tall and mighty it was. <coughs> Excuse me. And now, in my anger, it was uprooted, uh, thrown to the ground without uh, any fruit soever. It is now withered, <speaking in> hovish <Hebrew> its fruit is dry, his sparkle mate uza eshach So it's consumed by fire, the east wind has completely dried it up. It is a grapevine that once was a towering vine of power and produce. It's now nothing. Literally nothing. The Atashasula of midbar. It's planted in the desert, in the arid empty desert, the arid sea of its summer, in a land of where everything is dry and thirst. There is no water. Vatete esh mimate. Then a fire goes out from it and the rod is devoured. Its fruit, as we say, no longer strong. Its roots and rods no longer a scepter. It rules over nothing. This is a lamentation and it will be, remain a lamentation, a dirge. Let us end on a positive note. The Rambam in his um, Mishneh Torah assures us and let me quote um, even though they were not worthy lo sechros hamalchus mizera david la'olam the kingship of the Davidic dynasty and the Davidic throne will never be cut off the Kodesh Baruch Hu has promised them they will stand eternally we will have the Davidic dynasty back we are guaranteed it says the Rambam and it will come perhaps in the time of Meshichus, perhaps before. So we see that despite the fact, there is hope, there is a guarantee from the Kaddish world that there will always be a Davidic dynasty, yes? Why is that important that there be a Davidic dynasty? It was such a disaster. Why, Why is it important to the Jewish people that it be The 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 heirs of David be the kings or the leaders? One, it was promised, and two, it was ends in disaster, but the Davidic dynasty was really the height of our whole being in an Eretz Yisrael the, the, the land prospered the strength was never greater the Torah was never greater it started the season of the base i mean just and most importantly i think with the Rambam it's promised the Kaddish Baruch Hu told us there will always be a Davidic dynasty that's why only the Davidic dynasty is anointed with oil the others don't get it only a Davidic house of David member can sit in the Azorah no one else is allowed to sit in the Azor except Melach David and his progeny. So that we believe that the return will be a rebirth of the glory of the Davidic dynasty. We have that on faith, and as the Ramban says, we have it as a promise from the Kodesh Barak. You want to maybe judge it to certain standards. It might not have been the glory it should have been, but yes, it was still the apex of our our existence as a people. So, Ad Khan tomorrow, we go back to Nebuchadnezzar 845.